Okay, good morning everybody. This week we have double perashah. It's Acharemot Kedoshim. So I want to look at a, a verse from Kedoshim. So the, 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 I think the biggest, one of the biggest issues we have today is people lack patience. You know, when you go on your phone and you're searching for something, if it takes you more than two, three seconds, you're basically uh, losing your mind because it's, uh, it's taking too long. But, I, you know, I remember, you know, us old guys, I remember, you know, you put a check in the mail and, you know, it was check was in the mail. Two, three days, you always had time to say, I put the check in the mail. Then you had FedEx came out, you know, and you had to, it was overnight. So you got it the next day and someone expected you to work on it. And then I remember the fax machine. So, you know, I'm not in my office. I'm in my office. The fax, beep, 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 going through. The fax comes through. And then all of a sudden we got email and text messages and WhatsApp. And people expect you 24 hours a day. People just lost any aspect of patience. So the Hebrew term for patience is sablanut. And the root sablanut, you have sevel, which means, which means suffering. And saval, which means a porter, someone who carries things around. So the question is, what do these things have in common? So the answer is that being patient means bearing the burden of your suffering. You tell yourself that I could bear these feelings on my inner shoulders, holding them aloft and not crumbling under the weight. So I always remember my brother Victor, when my father passed away, my brother Victor used to say that my father's greatest midah was patience. And I would say his greatest midah was humility. And it was interesting because we were like, we were arguing it because we both gave a different speech, one on humility, one on patience. And then, and then I turned to Victor, I said, you know what it says? It says in Rashi, Ish Moshe Anav. Rashi says, what's Anav? Rashi says, Shafal Vesavlan. He's patient and he's, uh, humble. he's humble. So in Perashat Kedoshim, we have the mitzvah of Orla. It says, V'chit havo el ha'aretz. You come to the land and you're going to plant all the trees. What do you have to do? You, should, you have to treat it's, uh, the fruit as orla. For three years, you're not allowed to eat the, the orla. So the halakha is that if you plant a tree and it produces any fruit during the first three years, then you're not allowed to eat the fruit from that tree for the first three years. So I saw a beautiful thought given by Rabbi Friend. He says, a rationale for the mitzvah is suggested by Rambam in Moreh Nebuchim. Rambam notes in explaining the rationale for many mitzvot, and he, he says that it was common for sorcerers and priests to come and bless newly planted trees so that they should produce good and bountiful fruit. And what did the sorcerers and the, the witches, what did they want? That the first fruits were turned over to the idols. Like we said, it would go to the Avodah Zarah, sort of as a payment to the Avodah Zarah for, for turning things around. So the Rambam writes that to preempt such pagan practices, the Torah says for the first three years, you don't touch the fruit. Ramban, on the other hand, always has to be different, writes the reason for the mitzvah of the Orla becomes evident in the light of the companion mitzvah of Neta Revai. So basically we have a halakha that the fruit of the fourth year, what do you have to do? You have to bring that fruit to Yerushalayim and you have to eat it completely in Yerushalayim. It says, only in the fifth year and beyond is the farmer allowed to take the fruit and use the fruit for his own purposes. So Ramban says, when you typically plant a tree, the first couple of years, it doesn't give fruit or it gives fruit that's not, uh, not good, not edible, not special. He says, so you wait for the fourth year because you want to have a hidur mitzvah of the fruit that you're going to bring to you to Shalayim. It should be a beautiful fruit. The Midrash, on the other hand, offers a completely different reason unrelated to the Rambam or the Ramban. The Midrash notes that there's a halakha that immediately follows this halakha of Orla. And what is that mitzvah? It says, Lo tochlu al-hadam. You're not allowed to eat 
upon the blood. Literally, it means do not eat on the blood, but there's a variety of different opinions what it means. Rashi says that we're not allowed to eat from an animal until its blood is completely drained. So you have halacha, if you ever went, uh, you know, when we go do the chickens, right? You see, after they cut the head of the chicken, they turn the chicken upside down, they let the, the blood drain, and we do the bracha. They just throw it on the floor. They don't eat the chicken. Aye. So the Midrash tells us that the mitzvah of Orla is trying to teach us something that's very important in life. It says, what is it? You can't eat the meat until the blood drains. It's telling you, buddy, chill, relax, wait, let it go. Sometimes, he says, we chomp away at the bit like we want something right away. But you can't eat it right away. Relax and wait. In order to instill in us the concept that we need to be patient and that we cannot always get what we want as soon as we want it, the Torah writes the prohibition of Orla here. The Orach Haim Kadosh he explains both in this parasha and in Sefer Bereshit, that when Hashem tells Adam HaRishon, you can eat from every tree, except from the Etz Hadad. How does that fit, that you could eat from any tree, but not the Etz Hadad? So Orach Haim says an amazing thing. He says, Adam could have eaten from the Etz, the, the, the Etz Hadad, the tree of knowledge. He says, the permission to eat from the tree was only after Shabbat. The Orach Hayim goes on, and I didn't see this before. He, he goes on and he says that a person is supposed to make Kiddush on Shabbat. And he says that the Kiddush that Adam HaRishon would have made on Shabbat would have been from the grapes of the Etz Hadat. And his sin was merely that he jumped the gun. So we talk about his sin as being that he slept with Chava and that was all the whole thing started. The Orach Hayim is saying specifically here, if he would have waited till Shabbat to make Kiddush, on the grapes, on the wine from the grapes of the etz, it would have been fine. And the question then is, how? How, how come it's okay to eat, eat on Shabbat? If Hashem's saying, don't eat, why wait until Shabbat? So he says, one of the students of Rabbeinu Ari points out that the prohibition from eating from the etz hadat was given in the ninth hour on the sixth day of creation. If he would have waited three more hours then he would have come to Shabbat and he could have eaten it. He says that this Kabbalistic work explains that the Orla is prohibited for three years. Why? Because man couldn't wait for three hours. The Khatam Sofer is, what was the rush? More to the point, he says, if in fact on Shabbat this same tree would have been permitted, how could it be so terrible if he ate it a couple of hours earlier? The Khatam Sofer explains that when Adam HaRishon was created, he didn't have a, a, a Yetzirah. And Adam HaRishon said, you know what? In order for me to get Sikhar in this world, I have to be able to pass a test. That means I need a Yetzirah. I need to be able to battle in order to grow. So what happened? He says, I so much want to be able to do things, the will of Hashem out of my own free choice. I can't wait for the opportunity. However, Hashem knew better. He knew that in order to choose the right decisions and to choose good rather than evil, Adam still needed another element in his neshama. He said he needed the Kiddushah of Shabbat. Had he waited three extra hours and gone into Shabbat, suffused with the Kiddushah of Shabbat, he would have been able to withstand the temptations of life. This is what Hashem wanted. That is why the tree of life suddenly became permitted on Shabbat. We asked, what changed? 
three hours, what changed is that Adam still needed this component of Kiddushah Shabbat. He didn't have it yet. This is by analogy, when a person pours concrete to set a beam that's going to hold up a building, a person has to wait until the concrete hardens and dries in order to rely on its strength. Imagine you put a beam into the concrete, and then you start to build on that beam before the concrete dried. The beam's gone left and right, that's not going to support anything. He says, in this case, the, the tree, you could have eaten from it, but you just had to wait for one thing, Shabbat, to settle and create the foundation. He says that Adam was almost perfect. He says, but he wanted free choice. But instead of waiting for Shabbat, he jumped the gun and he didn't have the strength of Shabbat to help him. So I heard a story. The brisker rab once was officiating a wedding and I can imagine this happening. The, fi- the ring, they were outside in the, in the garden doing the wedding. And as they ask for the ring, the ring falls into the, to the floor. And the grass, it's big grass. And now what happens is they can't find the ring. So all the people from the wedding get up and they're searching for the ring. And it took them 20 minutes and finally I found the ring. Now, because they're, what do they have? No light, they're torches in the, in the grass. It says eventually to everyone's relief, the ring was found. However, the briskerav, he sensed there was embarrassment of the wedding party. And knowing the crowd, he says, you know what all the people are going to say? This wedding wasn't meant to be. If it was meant to be, it would go smooth, right? He says, he says that we're like, you know, matches are made in heaven. If it was made in heaven, then everything should have worked out. So what does he say, the briskerav? He says that when, when deciding at which time to get married, an hour is chosen for when the chuppah is to take place. And that's printed on the invitation. And all the guests know. The caterer is alerted so that he can make sure the food is ready on time. All the events of the evening revolve around the sacred time. And the plans proceed based on that. However, the briskerav continued. In Shamayim, the new couple is not destined to be married until precisely 12 minutes later. Whose schedule should prevail? Oh, heaven, of course, he says. And all of a sudden, though everyone involved is doing their best to make the wedding run on schedule, heaven does its part to delay the completion of the ceremony until just the right moment. We found the ring signifying heaven's agreement that the couple's time to be married is in fact now. He says, as a tikkun for, for that, we have to learn the, les- the lesson. It says, Shalom al-Melech writes, A thing in its proper time, how good. The Torah gives us a prohibition called Orla. For three years, we're supposed to wait. The lesson of Orla and the lesson of Lo Tochal al-Hadam is wait. Not everything needs to be enjoyed or taken as soon as it is physically available. As a tikkun for Adam HaRishon, for the three hours he could not wait, we keep the mitzvah of the Orla for three years. And I think that's uh, just a lesson that the, the rabbi always told us, that one of the biggest tests of our generation is patience. And I think the rabbi, even, even when he passed away, we weren't at the point where you really go look for something online, and if you don't get it in a second or two, you, you get very upset. He says, we have to really learn to have patience. If we would have had patience in the first day, we would never have had it. If we would have had patience at Har Sinai, we would never have had the sin of the golden calf. If we add patience to our life, there's nothing can come except for good things and blessings. Baruch Adonai Olam. Amen v'amen. Thank you, everybody. Most, most Jews don't have patience. <laughs>
I said when I was when I, when when I was in Israel. So you know, I really have no patience. I realize we pray in the morning. I pray we pray at six thirty, and like the intent is, we have to finish by seven o'clock. You know, and even if you have tachanun, okay, seven o five Monday Thursday, maybe seven fifty. You got to finish. When I got to Israel, the last time I went, I got there the first morning I landed was Rosh Chodesh, was Rosh Chodesh, and I went to pray by the Kotel. And I prayed by the Vatikin by the Kotel. Usually Vatikin by the Kotel were moving. I'm going to tell you, it was so slow. I couldn't believe how slow we're going, how slow we're going. And then I prayed the next day, and it was so slow. And then I went to pray in the, in the, uh, the school of the, uh, the Mekubalim. And they really went slow. And I said, why Hashem said... And I prayed Mincha with the Jacob Rabbi in, when, in, when I went to Tel Aviv. And also they went slow. I said, you know, Hashem sent me to Israel to tell me when you pray, you got to chill out. You got to be patient. You got to learn patience. So that was the, the big lesson of my trip. <laughs>